On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Fan. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's up, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. As always, you can listen on the ESPN app, too. Because perhaps you're like me. Perhaps you... uh, (laughs) It's not even seeing the forest through the trees, quite literally, in a sense, here. It, It is like, it is here. It's knocking on my door. Hear that? Hear that, Brent? That's your vacation. And it's knocking louder. And I'm like, I got two more shows to do, man. Just just, just let me just let me get through these shows. But I see you. I see you, vacation. I see you, time off. You look so good. You look so good. But we're here today. We're here tomorrow. And then not here for two weeks. So that's the deal, kids. FYI, as they say, uh, we got two more shows this week. And then I'm off the grid, baby. I will be off all of next week and the week after that. When I return, we will be right in the throes of Syracuse football training camp, of Buffalo Bills training camp, of every NFL training camp. All would be right in the world because football training camps will be well underway because summer's just killing time till football season, right? So we have plenty of football to talk about on the show today. And I brought that up because, you know, the ESPN app, even if you're away on vacation, you're off somewhere in the world enjoying your time off. You can still keep in touch with us. You can still listen to ESPN Syracuse, ESPN Utica Rome on the ESPN app. It's a great way to do it. You download the app. You find the listen tab. It's very easy. It's right there on the homepage, if you will. And then off you go into the world doing your thing. Here's how you get in touch with the radio program today. would love to hear from you and between our guests and Full coverage of ACC kickoff, Syracuse football, taking the focus there. The phone number is 437-7644. The Twitter, where the show never stops, just full of fun, all the time. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The On the Block text line is 288-0644. All great ways to get into touch with the program and to fire off That's hot. all of your hot takes. And you only got two more days uh, to get them in. So giddy up, kids. We have two guests joining us today. Looking forward to speaking with both this gentleman and this lady, Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. 
Sal Capaccio. WGR, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, will join us here in this hour. We mentioned training camps knocking on the door. Sale caught up with a Buffalo Bills general manager, Brandon Bean, and head coach Sean McDermott recently. Get his thoughts on that. We'll get his thoughts on the LaShawn McCoy situation and how that is going to affect training camp, if at all. That was a hot and heavy story for a while. It's kind of died off. I kind of want to know where we're at. I want to know if he feels LaShawn McCoy will be at training camp or not and kind of get a sense of where things are going there. Before Buffalo Bills training camp opens up in just a few days, I'll be gone. But uh, there's a couple of camps. I saw the Bears reported today and a couple other teams starting to trickle in and by this time next week, they'll all be there, and we'll be ready to roll, baby. So we'll talk to Sal, get some football talking here. Hot takes on the way. Speaking of the Bills, man, did Jim Kelly just go up there, and not a dry eye in the house. Some very powerful presentations at the ESPY Awards last night. And I said this on the show yesterday. You know, the ESPY Awards, like the, the goofy bits they do, and Danica Patrick, I'm sorry, just didn't do it for me. I, she was not good as the host. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'm going to get electric shocks under the desk from Bristol. but Which, by the way, where our own Seth Goldberg is today. Visiting friends in Bristol, Connecticut. And from what I hear, getting a a lush tour of the ESPN facilities. Uh, So maybe Seth will be allowed to push the button from Bristol today to give me the electric shocks. But uh, Danica Patrick, just no. And best team, best athletes, I don't care. I, I just don't care. But what the ESPYs does very well is the Jimmy V Award, the Arthur Ashe Award. They have become powerful presentations. And last night, two of the most powerful that you could possibly see and experience, and I really should say three, because they honored the coach from Marjorie Stoneman. Of course, the school in Florida where one of too many mass shootings in this country have taken place. So we'll get into that a little bit during hot takes, including what Jim Kelly said last night. Did I mention Linda Cohn? We're at, did I, I, I don't think I got there yet. I had a brain cramp for him. Like, did we say the other guests? So we got Sal. We got hot takes. We got SU football. We got plenty of coverage from, you can tell my mind is going into vacation mode. You can tell I'm slipping here. We've got plenty of sound bites we're going to get into from Dino Babers, Chris Slayton, Eric Dungy from ACC Media Day. And if I said Linda Cohn already, forgive me, but I've got to circle back on that. Linda Cohn, ESPN. Speaking of ESPN, Bristol, Connecticut, that whole thing. She is going to join us on the show today. The Oswego alum, friend of the program, she just signed a new contract with ESPN. So congratulations certainly to our friend Linda Cohn on that. We'll bring her on the show a little bit later on, about 535, to discuss sports and life and continuing to go forward in ESPN. And uh, it's always great to catch up with Linda Cohn. So there you go. If I said that already, pardon me. I just said it again. She deserves a double nomination on this program. I do want to start with a little Syracuse football, though. I want to start with ACC kickoff time. And, you know, these things are what they are. They send all the coaches and players down and the media converges. I've been trying to change it to a winning football team. There comes that time when you reach that bridge where all of a sudden, you know, one minute you're not in games, and then the next minute you're in games. And uh, they're close games, and you can't be satisfied. You can't settle for just being close. And uh, I think that's... I don't think that we settled last year, but I think that was the bridge that we were on. Uh, so we've been close. 
and now it's time to get over the hump and get on the other side of that bridge and find a way to win those games and finish out the season. One way to do that, finish out the season, and keep it flowing, of course, is that the defense has got to prevent a late-season collapse. So we'll tell you what Dino said about that later in the program, how he compares the offensive line to the Brady Bunch, which is fantastic. But one more from Dino, and every year brings a theme, every year brings a motto, every year brings you know something that you keep going back to, that you can put on a poster, that you can put on a media guide, for example. Here's what Dino Baber said about the motto of year three. You know, I think the, uh, the model needs to be is that we're, we're doing everything we can to, to bring a good football team into the month of November. The one thing that I've realized is going into my third season here in the ACC and the ACC Atlantic is just how physical this conference is. And uh, unfortunately for our football team, the team that we've lined up and played with in August and September and October has not been the exact same type of team personnel-wise that we've played in November. And I think it's, it really leads to our to the success that we've had early and the unsuccess that we've had late. So it, it's really important for us to find a way to not only to stay true to our model to play fast, but to also find a way to finish and to finish the month off November uh, the way we've played September and October. It really comes down to that. It comes down to taking care of business in September because the back end of the schedule is pretty loaded, but it really comes down to, look, every football team wants to stay healthy. It is downright critical that Syracuse have its quarterback stay healthy, though they have a much more capable backup in Tommy DeVito now, and it's critical that the defense stay as healthy as it can but just prevent the drop-off. Dino Babers has not won a football game in the month of November at Syracuse. That has to change this year. Tangible improvement needs to be shown. Not that it will be put on the hot seat or anything, if not, but I think Syracuse football fans have bought in. They've seen the upsets. They've seen the potential. They like the offense. They like the coach, certainly. Thanks, Brent. Welcome, coach. Now it's like, okay, we need to see you make a step forward. If I could uh, give a cheap plug here before we take a break, but I think it's something that you'll really enjoy. And it's on the Syracuse football front. I had a chance today to catch up with Sam Heckel, a Syracuse left guard. And it's on my uh, Twitter feed. It's on uh, the, this uh, new episode, episode 39 of the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Sam has a rare blood disease. So rare that doctors felt like he had the last known case of this rare blood disease, which uh, the uh, short version of it is TTP. Do not make me try and pronounce this disease. Like, just let's not even try and remotely go there. But Sam has to go through a pretty grueling treatment every three weeks. In short, uh, and you can listen to the podcast, and he explains it in much more detail, he ha- he do- he can't produce p- uh, certain kinds of plasma and has to get an injection of plasma and has to go through a very grueling treatment that takes a lot out of him every three weeks because of this rare blood disease, which is why Sam... And his teammates are going to do the lift for life tomorrow night, Manly Fieldhouse, 6 o'clock. It's a great event. It raises awareness and money for rare disease, which Sam Heckle certainly uh, is afflicted with in this case. One of the people that will be there and really started this whole thing with the Uplifting Athletes chapter in Syracuse is former Orange punter Rob Long, who will be in studio tomorrow, right about this time, as a matter of fact, so... Book an appointment to catch up with our good friend Rob Long. Certainly we'll talk football, but mostly about life and overcoming rare disease and what he's doing now 
and what he'll be doing tomorrow night, which you can go check out yourself. Manly Fieldhouse tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. If you're a Syracuse football fan and you want a chance to see a kind of a unique event, have a chance to get some autographs, get some selfies, get some pictures, wish the boys luck before they go out there and start doing it for real in a couple of weeks, tomorrow night's a great night to get up close and personal and do that. And you'll be helping a great cause, too. So I would encourage you to find the Syracuse Sports Podcast in iTunes or Google Play. It's on my Twitter feed, Brent Dax Media, as well, to hear that full conversation with Sam Heckel. We definitely talk football, too, and preview the season. Tomorrow night at Manly Fieldhouse, 6 o'clock, great event. Rob Long tomorrow. So a lot happening on the football front, which we'll continue to discuss, but uh, away from the game and, and helping a great cause as well. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back on the block. Thanks to our buddy Sal Capaccio joining us on the Pick and Pull of Auburn Auto Parts and Recycling Center Hotline. How you doing? How's your Thursday going? A gorgeous 81 degree day in central New York. Summer, summer, summer time, but there's football in the air, my friends. Much more from ACC kickoff to come. Linda Cohn joins the show later, about 5.30 or so. We'll check in with uh, somebody who's done more sports centers than anybody on planet Earth and has a lot of exciting things to come at ESPN. The Oswego grad joins us later on, but right now, hit me with that fancy open. Let's do it. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. I said this on the show yesterday. The ESPY Awards are not something that, and Seth Goldberg currently in Bristol, Connecticut today, may be awaiting to push the button to give me electric shocks from Bristol as we discuss this. But the ESPY Awards aren't my thing. Danica Patrick stunk. I mean, she's just, no. Very lovely. She's Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend. I get the whole thing. Just, she didn't, no. I just, I wasn't feeling it. Best male athlete, best female athlete, best team. I mean, it's cool to see the production value that ESPN does and how they highlight these things. But, look, the ESPY Awards is something to do because there's literally nothing else going on in sports of the Wednesday of baseball's All-Star break. Literally nothing. There's, like, no games unless you're talking about AAA baseball, right? So... What the ESPYs has become is a celebration of the triumph of sports, stories that inspire us, stories that are tough to tell but need to be told. What ESPN, I think, does best, maybe overall, is what the ESPY awards have become known for, these great moments that celebrate humanity. The coach from Marjorie Stoneman High School honored last night. The coach that was somebody who actually ran in to help as opposed to those that were tasked with that job and cowardly did not. And he lost his life because of it. And the speech that, I forget the gentleman who was up there, and I apologize for that, I believe it was the principal of the school, was up there and it just tears your heart out to hear that and how he said this is not a political message, this is a life message. And the response from not only the people there, but on social media and elsewhere, 
how important sports is to that school and how it helped them kind of take that step forward from an unimaginable tragedy. To see hundreds of women on the stage last night who had all been abused by Larry Nasser, the doctor who was, of course, with Team USA in Gymnastics and at Michigan State, and you hear these stories, and ESPN did not shy away from this. They put it out there, and I, I give ESPN credit for doing that because there's a lot of different ways you can handle this, but it was such a powerful moment. I mean, the bravery of these women of all ages to stand up there on stage and admit something they cannot be comfortable to admit, but is important to admit. You know, victims out there that have gone through what these women went through need to know that they can speak up and seek the justice that they deserve. That was as powerful a moment, I think, ESPN has ever had. And it, it, it brings every emotion out of you. You are proud of these women for speaking up. You admire their bravery, but it makes you angry. How could Larry Nasser abuse that many women who, as Allie Raceman stood up there and told us, she went through slowly and deliberately, and it just, every time she said it, it pinged your heart. She just said a, a, a list of years. She went through a list of years, 1998, 2000, 2001, and it was pretty much every year from like 99 on. She said, these are the years somebody spoke up, and somebody said, this is happening. And we were told over and over again, it's okay, he's a doctor. He knows what he's doing. The emphasis on gold medals and winning and, you know, the things that got shoved under the rug for the sake of just keep producing gymnasts. It was a very powerful moment, and that's some, a, a stage that ESPN provides that does good. And then there was Jim Kelly, who got the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance. And we have seen a number of these speeches through the years, Jimmy V, of course, being the gold standard. But Stu Scott and Craig Sager and Arthur Ashe himself, right? The Arthur Ashe word for courage is a different one, but Arthur Ashe, Arthur Ashe, pardon me, up on that stage. And Jim Kelly, well, I don't need to give you the life story of Jim Kelly and everything that he has gone through, fighting off cancer, his son dying and fighting off a, a a terrible disease, living a lot longer than they thought he would. I mean, Jim Kelly defined adversity on the field, has defined it off it. He has recurring bouts of cancer. So he goes up there and makes this speech. Like, I believe Jim Kelly, because of the ongoing surgeries he's had, because of a recurrence of cancer in his jaw, you can hear it when he speaks, too. He doesn't have teeth left. He has a hard time speaking but it's just this symbol of courage, determination, and bravery, which he was, you know, football's football. He's almost become more of a symbol of those things for what he's gone through off the field. And he got up there and he accepted that award, and he, the speech was longer than this, but this was one of the most powerful parts about it. The fans. I came up with a saying, makes a difference today for someone who is fighting for their tomorrow. When I looked across this arena, and when I talk to people, I look up here, you don't need to be a Russell Wilson, an Aaron Rodgers, to make a difference out there. Every single person in this room can be a difference maker. You can be just a normal person who gets up every morning and goes to work, but you can be a difference maker. Put a smile on those faces. My kids, my friends, when they came in to see me, not once did they ever have a frown on their face. 
So I just urge anybody out there, if you have somebody out there suffering, it doesn't have to be cancer. It could be somebody you're not having a good day. It could be your mom, your dad. It could be your grandparents. What you say to them, the smile that you have on your face, that can be the difference in them making it the next day. Remember that. Always, always persevere. Like Jimmy V said, never, ever give up. And to my Bills fans back home, I love you. And to everybody here tonight and to the Jimmy V Foundation, thank you for honoring me and humbling me with this award. I love you all. God bless and may the good Lord continue to bless you. Thank you. Kelly Strong. That's hot. Incredible. I mean, just, I mean, look, Jim Kelly was my hero as a kid. I've said it a number of times, and I'll say it to the day I die. And to see him go up there and do that again, uh, it's getting awful dusty in here. It was getting awful dusty in, in my house last night as well. So kudos to ESPN for really doing what I feel they do best now, and that is that part of the ESPYs. All the awards and all that other stuff, it's not my bag, but that is fantastic. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, Danny Amendola of the Miami Dolphins said this about his head coach, Adam Gase. Now, remember, Danny came to the Miami Dolphins from the New England Patriots, where Bill Belichick was described as, quote, like a principal. Quote, Coach Gase is one of the guys. He's our leader. He's our head coach, but he's also our boy. It's cool. It's refreshing to have that kind of relationship with a coach, something I haven't had in a long time. Back in New England, it's almost like you had a principal in a principal's office and bleep like that in a good way and a bad way, too. You know, there is an old-school part of me that wants to read a quote like that and wants to kind of cite Herb Brooks and Miracle, right? Herb Brooks walks in the room after the team is determined, and he says, I'll be your coach, I won't be your friend. That's what Patrick is here for. And how Herb Brooks built a team based on the fact that they hated him and united around that, but eventually came around on, well, now we know what he's doing. Right? The Mike Ruzioni part, again, again, again. Mike Ruzioni, United States of America. Right? They came together as a team, but what really bonded them for so long was they hated her Brooks. And the thing about Bill Belichick is they don't like Belichick, but they know he's smarter than all of them. Seth, our buddy Seth Gilbert, heard of him, had... Um, I want to say Chad Brown on his podcast, who played for the Patriots and described how Bill Belichick would just show up once a week in positional meetings and run the meeting and knew everything there is to know. And if you didn't know everything there was to know, you were in trouble. Belichick's that good because he's smarter than everybody in the room and he's not your friend. Now, the old school part of me wants to say, that's the coach I want. I don't want a friend. I want a coach. But here's the thing. We're in a new generation, we're moving forward, and there is a new generation of coaches like Sean McDermott in Buffalo, like Sean McVay with the Rams, that know their stuff, they're young, they're hardworking, they're aggressive, but you can relate to these players. An incoming generation of players want to feel like, hey, we're working hard here, we're doing our thing, but I can I can hang with my coach, I can tell my coach things. It's not just the principal coming to and you know you're you're coming to the principal's office kind of thing. But I also look at where were the Miami Dolphins last year? Where were the New England Patriots? Where they've been? Who are some of the most successful coaches in sports? Greg Popovich, Bill Belichick, frankly Jim Beheim. What do they all have in common? They're all wet mops. They're not your friend. 
They will call you out. They will chew you out. They have contentious relationships with the media at times because they are so fiercely competitive that anything that gets in the way of that is like a gnat. Get out of my face and let me focus on my game. I don't want to do the sideline interview. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to go to a press conference and I'm going to talk to you like this. Or I'm going to go to a press conference and I'm going to do that to you because my job here is to win. And anything that gets in the way of that while my season is underway is merely a distraction. Would you rather have that kind of coach or the coach that, you know, you can have some beers with after a long day? I don't know. There's not one system. That's hot. There's not one way it works. Bill Parcells was one way. Bill Belichick is that way. And then there's coaches like, say, Pete Carroll, who won a Super Bowl, who's, you know, he's your boy, but he demands a lot out of you. I mentioned McVay. He's one of the smartest and brightest offensive minds in football. The guy's 34 years old, right? Head coach in the NFL. You don't get there without knowing your stuff. That team respects him. They believes in him, and they are a popular Super Bowl pick now, and and for good reason. Speaking of which, and it is list and prediction season, USA Today, I like this. I think they do a really good job with this graphic. I like that they do this. So every year they kind of do a, you know, it's the social media age, it's a visual age, and things that kind of grab you, so... Instead of just putting out a list of predictions, they kind of put on this, it's a graphic, and it's every team's logo, and I'll I'll send this out on my social media feed, Brent Dax Media on Twitter, and it's just their 2018 NFL predictions. And it's the team logo, and it's and it's a it's a record, and it's that simple, but it's it's a very shareable graphic, as they say in the social media world, and you know, going through it, their predicted Super Bowl is the L.A. Chargers against the Atlanta Falcons. They've got the Chargers winning the West, the Steelers winning the North, the Jaguars going 12-4 and four, winning the South. Of course, the Patriots winning the AFC East. But what jumped out to me about the AFC East, there's only one team with a winning record in that division. They've got the Dolphins 7-9, and nine, the Jets 4-12, and 12, and your Buffalo Bills at 3-13. and 13. Good news, that's not the worst predicted record in football. It's the second worst because the Colts are going 2-14, and 14, apparently, according to USA Today. But going through their predictions, I did not see anything surprising. And we all know there's some team that did not make the postseason last year that will this year. Maybe that's Houston because they got wrecked by injury last year and took a step back. They've got them at 11-5 and five and grabbing a wild card. But they've got Chargers, Steelers, Jags, Patriots, Texans, Broncos as playoff teams in the AFC, Rams, Vikings, Falcons, Eagles, Saints, Packers. That is as chalky as you can get. We know there's a team that's going to emerge from the shadows and will compete. The Philadelphia Eagles were that team last year. The Houston Texans were the team the year before that. So I'm kind of looking through this saying, who's the team that's predicted to go 7-9? and nine? but we'll go 10-6, and six, or we'll go 11-5 and five and win a division. Things to ponder with two weeks of vacation to come. We'll break on that note. We've got a lot, speaking of football, of, as we like to say in the business, sound bites to go through. Dino Babers, Chris Slayton, Eric Dungey at ACC kickoff. We picked the best of the best of what they said, and we will go through it next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.